0: Oval Roach.
1: 2017 in the house.
2: First show of the year.
1: First show of the year. New year, refreshing start for everybody. I love it. And.
2: uh, Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year, yeah. Happy New Year to our audience. Happy New Year to you, sir. How was your New Year? How did you and the family bring it in? Dogs and grandchildren and everybody else involved.
2: We lucked out, it was the other
1: grandparents' turn. Okay,
2: <laughs> calendar worked out beautifully,
1: all right, there you go.
2: Nice and quiet.
1: Did anyone in the house make it to midnight? Um Our family usually has plans, but it's rare the people who actually make it
2: the The younger generation i e my children and under uh always you know put forth a protest because <laughs> I do all of my stuff at nine o'clock pacific time which oh is yeah, true. okay and <laughs> I will reiterate my complaint that I have is Los Angeles and San Francisco being big Mecca cities. Why is it they could not have their own New Year's Day celebrations rather than playing a recorded version of the ball dropping in Times Square? I don't, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> right. Sure. Sure.
2: You know, so you watch the, the live version at nine o'clock Pacific time, which would be 12 o'clock Eastern. The ball drops. Happy New Year. I send out my little text messages to my New Yorkers. Happy New York New Year. And now you're waiting again at 12, and all they're doing is showing a, re- a record of the same thing.
3: <laughs> of the,
1: sure.
2: L.A. should have their own thing, San Francisco, or San, one of the two. One yeah. of the two big meccas of California should have their own ceremony. Sure. But not both. I think uh, – they're, they're big, world-class cities, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – I celebrate 9 o'clock. We open the doors, let the old year out, the new year in, and they're like, we're waiting until 12.
1: Yeah, I should have known that about you. That sounds like a move you might pull.
2: But uh, What What move?
1: Celebrating at 9. Oh, yeah. A, keep to your New York yeah. roots.
2: Yeah, after that. I don't. You know, the only thing that lets me know <laughs> that it, it's a California New Year is you hear, you know, I hope it's firecrackers. And right, yeah, not
1: night. gunshots. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, great. No, well, I'm glad you guys uh, were about, able to what have, about, a, what about you and have a low-key evening. Um, yeah, uh, our family, uh, it's traditional in El Salvador, which is where my wife's parents are both from, um, to have a big meal, like late, kind of, around 8-ish
2: mm-hmm.
1: on uh, New Year's Eve. And it's a traditional they dish. a struggle to stay awake. Yeah, exactly, right, because <laughs> it's a big meal, too. And it's a traditional, uh, every New Year's Eve, it's a traditional dish that they make. And um, there's all this talk. You know, they invite us. Yeah, stay with us till midnight. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm still, you know, relative to you and others, still newly married, even though we just celebrated a little past four years. Mm -hmm. um, But still learning the the do's and don'ts of what you can or can't say about the in-laws. So without saying too much.
2: In front of them or behind their back?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the radio. Oh, <laughs> <Let's>, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Say that. Oh, okay. um, so while we're always invited to stay with them until midnight because they enjoy our company, um, it is not too long after that meal that... Uh, you got to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they're, they're okay with us staying there. There's just not too much participation, we'll say, on there. And with whatever's on the TV, there's uh, some falling asleep happens relatively quickly out, out on the couch. But uh, be that as it may, a good time. Uh, Good to bring it in. I will say, and I'll ask you about this, um, the one thing that I can't stand about New Year's is, um, so I have a a gym membership to to 24-hour fitness, and I have had for a couple of years, and uh, the month of January, and sometimes just right into the beginning of February, is a real pain. Uh, You got to circle more than you typically do for parking. You got to wait for your machine to be available. And the gym is full of faces that you're not familiar seeing. Like when you go June, July, August, and you're a regular, the time that you go, you always see the same people because you got the same schedule as they do. Mm -hmm. And in January, it's like a madhouse. You just got to wait them (laughs) out. You got to wait them out. And then that's what. You know, some of us who know each other, we always the
2: herd will thin,
1: right? We we laugh about it. Like just wait till like February or March, and uh, a
2: lot of these
1: these new dreams will be dashed, and in old ways will set in, and we won't have to wait for our machines anymore.
2: But um, so you guys aren't supportive; you're waiting to crush the spirit. That's exactly right. Yeah, (laughs) wave them goodbye. See you later.
1: It was worth a shot. Better luck next year. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was good. Enjoyed some. I mean I guess we'll we'll drop the sound bite now we got to get into it at some point I'll just say uh so my team was out of it Probably week five of the regular season, <laughs> um, but I've been able to just, as a fan, now turn on some NFL playoffs and enjoy it just from a fan perspective, with no um, rooting interest, so to speak, other than wanting to see competitive games. Yeah. Um, so no, I want no
2: emotional interest. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I was looking forward to Dallas and Green Bay because a battle of two really, really good offenses. Um, I did want pittsburgh to beat kansas city because i believe pittsburgh is the only team that has a chance against new england and Mm -hmm. i think that'll be a good one um so just being able to enjoy it as a fan has been good but i'll tell you what man that uh you know we'll have you talk about it because this is your team but that dallas green bay game where it looked like it could have been a landslide early and you know before you know it two minutes left you got 50 yard field goals from either team and kickers responding to kickers Mm -hmm. and it was an exciting game, but um, obviously we'll need you to break it down analytically as a fan. What you saw, what you had hoped for, if there was anything different you would have liked to see.
2: Um, unlike probably a lot in Cowboy Nation, I, I, when I, I was on the road all day, so I didn't watch the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All I did was call... A friend of my wife, who's also a cowboy fan, I always call at a certain time when I know the game's over, and just ask, "Do I need to watch the the game? You know, like watch the DVR of the game?" And he tells me yes or no. Yeah. So, at the point when I call, because I don't call my wife calls, because it's it's her friend really, and he, I could hear him say, "Don't don't call me now. They're not winning. They're not losing." So I I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, and he, and she hangs up. That I guess the game is tied. But sure. it's already four forty. So I'm saying to my wife, I said, Well the D V R shuts off at five o'clock. So if this game is going into overtime, I'm gonna miss yeah the end of the game. Right. Um but so it was about five twenty. I said, the game has gotta be over by now. Call him back, see what happens. He calls back and you know, she could tell by his voice 'cause, you know, he gets he's really he's sure. really into it. And I said, no, he, I said, tell me, you know, what went down? Okay, they lost. How'd it go? And yeah. he starts explaining to me the game. And I'm like, did 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 our guys ball out? You know, our main guys. He said, yeah, they balled out. And, um, you know, he explained what happened. And then I got a chance to watch the game. Of course, in hindsight, you can pick at 101 things sure. that could have happened differently, been done differently, so on and so forth. But I think the game played out true to its character. One being that both teams were very great offenses right? with Dallas being a lot more balanced overall right. across the board. I agree. But Green Bay making up for it with just a eclectic player at the quarterback <laughs> position. I don't right. know what else to say.
1: Yeah, no, that's very um,
2: true. So um, the fact that they were able to come back um, I think Dak Prescott has made a, you know, spoke for himself big My time
1: goodness, by man. being
2: as a rookie, being able to come back from twenty-one-three, you know, ultimately tied to twenty-eight, drive him again to tied to thirty-one. So they shouldn't as bad as bad as it feels, and to me, the the bad feeling only comes from expectations.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm I sure. had
2: no expectations they were going to the Super Bowl because, to me, in order to make it to the Super Bowl, you don't have to have a great defense, but I think you have to be solid. I agree. And more importantly, even if you're weak in the on the back end, I know we're getting into the weeds here a little bit, but you got to be able to rush the passer because you're going to face top quarterbacks. Yeah, that's all the playoffs bring usually. Yeah. yeah right. So, um, and Dallas didn't have that. It was finally, finally exposed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and a great and it took a great once in a lifetime quarterback to expose it. That's right. So um I don't think they have anything to hang your heads about. As a matter of fact, I remember back in the nineties at the end of the ninety one season when they got trounced out of the playoffs, you know, by Detroit, and Michael Irvin and, and Emmett Smith uh, you know, were pups at the time. They weren't rookies, but they were pups, right? Two years in, three sure, yeah. years in maybe. And uh, they, they said they were both driving home, right? And, and, and they, were, they you know, called each other. Well, they didn't call each other because cell phones weren't around. But they both said that they were looking – never before had they looked forward to a, 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 the next season more because sure. they knew that they were right Already, there. Yeah. But until they got Charles Haley, that edge rusher – um, which is what Dallas is missing—is that edge rusher. Mm-hmm. And if you look at other than New England, because Belichick is a diff, is a defensive mind, yeah. So he can create pressure from all kinds of schemes. But other than that, if you look at every other team, they've got edge rushers. Got to have it. Yeah, I agree. So they to me, they um, the future is very bright. Yeah, and, and I believe they have. Let's call it. Three to five year window before these guys Come up for contracts right? You know right. You know, I'm talking about Elliot And Prescott sure. and decisions have to Be made but yeah. until then All they got is Zach Martin coming up they're going to have money For him I believe they should trade Tony Romo unless he n- agrees Which I doubt he will to severely re- yeah. re- renegotiate sure. To give them cap relief Yeah. To go out and Because you're not going to be able in my opinion Get both a corner and a Unless, uh, un-
1: unless you strike it in the draft, yeah. you get a little lucky in the yeah. draft, yeah, which is possible. But as someone who's you know I'm not a cowboy fan, um, but a football fan, and watching that the that kid Dak Prescott impresses me. You just don't see other than Ben Roethlisberger, who what won, won or went or won the Super Bowl his rookie year. He went to
2: the AFC Championship game and lost.
1: Um. Just just the the composure. You know, you're down twenty one to three, leading the comeback. And then I believe it was late in the third or maybe even the fourth quarter they're driving. The the momentum had shifted and he throws an interception. And
2: blame that on Linehan.
1: Yeah, sure. And nine out of ten rookies throwing that pick, the head is gonna drop. You're on the sideline, you're you're feeling having let the team do whatever. And He just looked like he took a couple deep breaths, but the look of focus never broke from that man's eyes and came right back in and, you know, like right back to work. And to be that young on that biggest stage in your home crowd and uh, perform like that, Mm -hmm. And and it's not like Aaron Rodgers threw a pick, too. But you just, you know, as a veteran, he knows how to respond. Mm-hmm. You just don't see that in rookies. Mm-hmm. His first playoff start in and, and the poise and composure, uh, you know, I just thought to myself, man, Dallas is going to be, you know, a scary team to face for the foreseeable future with this kid at the helm. Yeah. Yep, they've got one in him.
2: And in the end, you got to give it up to Aaron Rodgers because that throw he made was
1: Oh, the on, throw, on a, yeah. I you're, mean,
2: you're putting it in, in a bucket.
1: Running to your left, throwing across your body, opening like, your hips up, and then off of one leg.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. or something like that, and and all you can do, and then the guy's got to make the kick because it was it wasn't a gimme. It's a fifty-one yarder.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: um, all you can do is shake that guy's hand and yeah, go, say it. good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing you can do when a play yeah. like that. So. But I am sure they will watch the tape and find out who blew their assignment because there was a blown assignment.
1: Oh, has to be, yeah, yeah. When all you're playing for is the pass and you're there dropping, seven,
2: you drop seven defensive backs mm-hmm. and they got four guys going out for the pass and you can't cover. Right, right, yeah, exactly.
1: Somebody did for sure. Probably some zone concept in mm-hmm. there, whatever. Um, usually in something like that, and I didn't, I didn't watch the replay enough, but it's usually. Somebody in the front, like a linebacker or whoever, just didn't get a deep enough drop because mm-hmm. that window in the zone, you know, Rogers should not – he'd have to overthrow that to get it over that first level in, in your drop. But your yeah. drop has to be deep enough. But anyway, uh, okay, then real quick before we move on, Super Bowl predictions.
2: Um I mean, so the championship... Neither games? one of these two teams in the NFC can beat the Patriots because they don't have the defense defense
1: okay. to do
2: it. Um, but I, if I had a choice in terms of viewing audience and casual viewer, they'd want to see Rogers versus Brady. Brady. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of the Patriots. I'd like to see Pittsburgh upset them, and then whomever Pittsburgh faces is going to get trounced.
1: Atlanta or Green Bay.
2: Okay. Because Pittsburgh can run. Uh, yeah. And... Don't even get me started on that. The running get wide. That <laughs> a twenty-one-year-old right, right. player does not get forty carries, fifty touches. Come on now, Le'Veon Bell is twenty-five. Yeah, this guy just turned twenty-one in in July. Yeah, what are they saving him for?
1: That is the question.
2: I remember Jimmy Johnson said about Emmitt Smith and they're like, "Aren't you worried about it? you're going to use him up?" He said, "I'm going to ride him like a damn donkey." <laughs> that's right. That's right. He rode his ass at three Super Bowls, excuse my language. Yeah, needs to be needs to be used up. So, there you go. All right. Um, I did have a recap. I don't remember what it is. See, that's what happens when you uh hit over uh, get over 50. Okay. Um, but if it comes to me, I will uh interrupt Say what that recap was um, we do have some news um, so everyone within OCG knows that uh, February first we received our 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 date our change date February first. We're one of three providers in our local county, but we're the first in the state of California residential okay that's going to start providing uh, services under the new organized delivery system. So as I, I, I didn't say this to the whole staff team, but the residential staff meeting two Thursdays ago or whenever it was, I said, just pretend there's an asteroid heading, <laughs> heading towards us. <laughs> <laughs> the arrival date is February 1st when yeah. everything changes. Um, and as much as we've been preparing and, 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 and trying to get ourselves aligned with this asteroid, so it's a case. We're not trying to get out of the way. We're trying to align ourselves up. Um, with the asteroid, um, but life is going to change as we know it. Some of it, a lot of it, will be good, but along with it comes a lot of other things that are going to be annoying and they're going to be challenging and so on and so forth. It's
1: just different.
2: It's going to be different. Yeah. And but where we've been doing it, you know, so we'll just we're going to be the canary in the mines.
3: Sure. Sure.
2: So there's pressure in that regards on OCG because you know the county's going to be the county's under pressure. They're they're trying reason they, they chose February first is they're in competition with other counties.
1: Oh, sure, One yeah, that makes to be the first sense. to
2: roll out. Yeah. So the three, the two counties in the state, San Mateo County and Riverside County, are the first two counties rolling out. Okay. The others, some others are rolling out April first. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's why we end up being the first residential provider in the state to roll out under the ODS. So,
1: well, the county's lucky to have us because, with the foresight of this coming down the pike, you know we we've been practicing, practicing yeah, we've been this practicing. for a long time. Yeah. So, that's good.
4: We'll see.
1: We'll see what happens.
2: Um, so this is uh, since this is our first show of the year here on on Recovery. Um, I don't remember what we did last year in our first show of the year, but what I wanted to do this year is do some recovery resolutions. And what I meant and mean by that is for people that are in recovery and a new year comes around, what are things that we need to do to um, focus on, uh, look at. Work on strive for et cetera, for the new year, and I'm not talking about traditional resolutions that's why I'm calling them recovery resolutions, sure things spe- you know specific in recovery and tied to your recovery that when you look back on okay, how did this year go for me holistically, that means everything right okay um Are there any areas that I need to touch on to say, you know what, I'm going to focus on this area of my life. I in your life means whatever, right, everything, Um, or this area or that area, Um, and it could be anything. So we're obviously not going to be able to name all of them. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about my favorite one because to me it's the one area humans in general people in recovery specifically um, have difficulty with moving through I'm using that specific phrase moving through because there's an end goal but you know people think you got boom just jump and you get you get there and there's a process you got to kind of move along and you know just like like a A worm or (laughs) snake. Yeah, yeah, there there you go. Crawl your way slowly but surely. Yeah, exactly. Get there. Um, And depending on where you are in your recovery process, you know, you have people who are at the front end, just getting started, and they need to focus on just getting grounded in this new this new dimension that I'm in. Where's my mind at? Am I committed? Yet, you know, these are all questions that you must ask yourself. If you're in a treatment environment, number one, good for you. Number two, what are you going to do with that opportunity? How are you going to utilize it? Every program is different in terms of how you spend your time in in, in your in pro in your program in the in the program. You know, in our program, it's you know just based on the day top model. It's you know self help, peer support. Um, little staff intervention unless, you know, other than groups and counseling, et cetera. But majority of the time we want you to support each other as peers because that's what it's gonna be like when you're out there on the on the street. Um so if you've just walked in the door and you're just starting that process, your recovery resolution is gonna be very different from someone who's been doing that for twenty years. Right. You know what I'm saying? And even if you've been doing it for twenty years it doesn't mean you can't have recovery resolutions. Of course you can.
1: Very true. Well, because like you said at the beginning of this, it's like a holistic approach. Yeah, it can be anything, just to what something you can strive for to be a better person, a better mm-hmm.
2: whole individual. So people that are in treatment or just starting the process. For me, if I was giving them, if they say, well, what are some of the things that should I be for this new year? So here I am, the new year has started, I'm either in a treatment environment or I'm just starting my recovery process. You know, what should I strive for or focus on? And I'll revert back to the Larry Thomas thing. Wherever you are, Larry Thomas, sitting on your veranda, sipping on iced tea and lemonade. (laughs) That's right. Um, How about let's make a commitment that we're just going to stay in the recovery process.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, nothing exotic. Nothing miles down the road, you know, but simple. I know it's cliche to say one day at a time, but the reality is you only live in reality you know you wake up right you live that day you go to sleep you wake up the next day right right we plan a lot for the future next day next week next month next year do a lot of planning there's an old saying you know man plans and god laughs right <laughs> yeah so i would tell them to commit to staying in the if you're in the treatment program commit to staying if you're starting the recovery process in whatever dynamic it may be, whatever environment it may be, commit to staying with it, no matter what. Um, and then if you have stuck with it for, let's say, 90 days,
3: mm-hmm.
2: okay, then I think what I would tell you would be different. So let's talk to the 90-day folk. I've been in treatment for 90 days, or I've been in in my recovery process for 90 days. What should I focus on? And feel free to join in. I know you have your own ideas. I'm not the only one that knows, comes up with this stuff. Sure, sure. Well, we get a lot of 90-dayers. I'm ready to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm cured. We hear that quite often. I feel great. the The effects of my drug use and the, my lifestyle have have worn off. I've been eating right, getting proper sleep, getting you know medical attention as needed, and I'm just feeling lovely at this ninety day point. I think I'm good.
1: Yeah, that happens a lot.
2: So, then we have to throw a couple of gut punches, <laughs> some mental uppercuts, some intellectual haymakers to cut through that, uh, what would you call
1: uh, it? Like a premature enthusiasm. Not I th- mean, it's okay to feel it, good. It, yeah, it's nothing wrong it, with it, that, it's but okay to I feel think it's good. a false
2: sense of. security Security, almost that uh, yeah because that 90 day period is usually dedicated to getting to the point of feeling good yeah you may not know nothing I know that's a double negative yeah you may not know anything at that time in terms of you know because I'll just come up to you and ask you a very simple question all right now boom tell me why do you use drugs And I don't know is not an acceptable answer. But it's at that time, around that time, that we start getting into that. Right, right. We're now feeling good. We're feeling good physically, feeling better, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You know, we're kind of been rejuvenated.
5: Mm -hmm.
2: We've been off the streets.
1: Right, that's the place we're trying to get you to to have completely detoxed, and you're starting to get your senses back, you might. maybe some of your strength back. You're eating well, yeah. yeah, you're you're uh, literally keep you know taking care of yourself, being clean, um, doing your laundry, mm-hmm. getting back to simple responsibilities, day to day tasks that make you feel focused. I think and, we
2: call that the basics.
1: That's right, and uh, and so you should. You should feel like that. Um, but because you feel like that doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to carry that through and I've learned everything you need to learn. We, we carry that feeling into the second trimester to, to help us when we start to get a little deeper in some areas we haven't really touched on mm-hmm. yet. And
2: yeah. Well, a, a lot's going to be asked of you. And a lot's going to come towards you Mm -hmm. now that you're in this different place Mm -hmm. in your life. Um, And so, yes, those who get that false sense of security, we have to, you know, of course, we're joking in terms of throwing them gut punches and (laughs) intellectual haymakers. But in reality, that's what it is, because we're trying to shock them back to reality that just wait a second now. Yeah. I know you do feel good. And that's what you should feel. And that's the whole goal and point is get you to a point where you are feeling better, so that now the focus can be on let's dig into some emotional work,
3: mm-hmm.
2: some mental work, okay, some intellectual work, okay, and uh, get underneath. How did I get to this point of becoming an addict? Where did it start? How did it get from here to there, from point A to point B, etc.? Why did I continue using? What were some of my life experiences that, that, that happened to me, good, bad, or ugly? Am I ready to talk about them? Am I ready to explore them? Am I ready to get underneath them? Am I ready to feel them? You know, Felix Roy used to say, feel what you feel when you feel it. So am I ready to do that? Some people aren't ready to do that in, as you named correctly, that second trimester period, Mm -hmm. that three to six month recovery time. Right. Maybe after six months, but we're certainly going to be, uh, and I would certainly be suggesting to someone that that's what I think you should be focusing on, striving for. If if that's where you are in your recovery point, if you're at that 90-day point, I'm going to tell you, let's start digging into you now. Right. The thing that we as humans least like to do the most, which is look at ourselves. Exactly. Examine ourselves. But the beauty of being in the treatment environment, the beauty of the TC, of course, is that there are people there to help you. Those who you don't want to help you.
1: <laughs> those who
2: you have not asked to help you. <laughs> and those who are so overwhelmingly willing to help you that you don't want to help you. Right. Um Then, of course, some who you might have a good vibe with that um also want to help you. But first and foremost, you must be open and willing. 10,000 people screaming from the top of a mountain trying to help you means nothing if you're closed Literally and figuratively. But that's what I would advise them for recovery resolution. At the three-month mark, it's now time to dig into you. Ready or not, here it comes. What do you mean by digging into me? What uh, This is what I mean. Start examining yourself, analyzing yourself, self, self-examination. And along with self-examination, external peer assistance yeah. will come in.
1: Sure. And I was going to say that too, because that might seem like an overwhelming task to some people. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really know where to begin on that, or um, how is that something I can accomplish, even though I'm genuinely ready or willing to do that? Well, I can
2: help you with that. I'll I'll start off with when did you, how were you first started using drugs or drinking? And then from there, when did it become a regular thing? Mm -hmm. Or how did it become a regular thing? And then from there, during that process and and, and that that experience, however long it ended up lasting, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, were there things you experienced during that time frame that were traumatic for you?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And everyone is going to have their own definition of what that may mean. Right. I mean, in the lawsuit that I have filed against my (laughs) mom… It's been going on for years. It's it just it's tied up in the courts. Yes, yes. Probably never to be heard. Well, I was, my father got over. He's moved on to better, bigger, and better things. <laughs> but I would it, one of the my action, my causes of action against my parents is that they took me from my island nation that I was born in without my <laughs> consent. <laughs> A tropical island and brought me to the city of New York. And and they couldn't even say, hey, well, since we know it's going to be a traumatic change of environment, why don't we go in the summer? So it's kind of, you know, it's a smoother transition. But no, they go in January. (laughs) <laughs> so you go from a balmy eighty-five, eighty-eight degrees, shorts and sandals, shorts and sand. Well, that I, I was three, three at a time. So who, I'm, I don't know. However,
1: sure, you were being dressed, right? You
2: know, third world island nation. Who knows what I, how I was dressed? But um, to uh, you know, photos of me, you know, in that at that age that will never see the light of day. By the way, um, <laughs> you know, in the freezing New York. Sure, sure. And you know, I can't wait to get my mother on the witness stand to ask why. Why couldn't you just wait? If you're gonna make this move, why couldn't you wait six months? But we divert.
1: Sure, yeah.
2: No, and e- even with what you said, because See, even even someone like me who's been in recovery for a long time, I still got issues. <laughs> All right, unresolved unresolved, some unresolved. issues it's got that need need attention. This might be the year that I finally, you know, get, get it get, get some it, answers. Get some answers. Who knows. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, what you did, I mean, and this is what I would tell those people who, who want to begin and maybe don't know where, and what I was going to say is you just bring it up. You share in group. You you talk about even whatever the initial thought might be. Hey, you know what? You know, I, I kind of have been trying to do a little more self-reflecting and digging and, you know, trying to get to the core or the root of some of my um, issues or some of the reasons I think I may have ended up where I ended up. And I'm just not really sure how to begin. And then any group facilitator might just as you just did. And like you also said, you know, and some of your peers are then going to start to chime in is people are going to ask you questions. People are going to dig for you. People Mm -hmm. are going to assist you in that process. And it's really about, and this is what you touched on, which I think was the biggest part is just being open,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: being open and saying, I'm ready to take this next step, or this is something I want to do. I just need the help. And believe me, like you said, whether you want it or not, uh, once you put out there, the help is coming. (laughs) The help is coming in every form, shape, fashion imaginable.
2: And it's just as good to get that help and to get that assistance, the digging help, so so other people with shovels, from those who have genuine care and concern, and for those who are just doing it out of their their own stuff. You know what I mean? It matters not ultimately because the goal is for you to unearth it and ultimately purge it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So three to six monthers still er early in the recovery process. I think those who are nine, six, I'm going to do a large space, six to 12 months. Normally we would first trimester, second trimester, we know the third trimester is a six to nine month mark, but for the sake of time, that six to 12 month period, the focus I would suggest to someone, you should be striving, focusing on, working on, if you have done the work in the previous three months that you were supposed to do, and you're not spending you don't have to spend the time in this period doing that. So we're yeah, going on right. that. You've spent, the, you've done the work. You've kind of opened up the wounds or whatever it may be. Yep. Um, we now start to resolve the issues or set a set a course for resolving them.
3: Hmm.
2: So. There can be severely traumatic experiences that someone has experienced, and they've experienced over a period of time abuse, you know, all all kinds of things. So there is no expectation that someone in three months is going to get get past that, get through that, and get over that. Right. But what I would like to see, or what I would like to hear from them, that they they have a plan for. Working themselves through that and, 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 and an end goal of this is where I would like to be with this issue.
3: Sure.
1: And okay. this is how
2: I'm going to go about getting there. And unless you tell me something crazy like five years, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. So if you say, I, I'm going to need about 12 months, I might need two years, I, you know, something like that. But if you say I need five years or 10 years, I'm going to have a problem with that because no the 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 length of time that a person takes okay depends on the person depends on how you know it really depends on what their makeup is so that's why you have to allow for i mean some people can just give it to you raw yeah, wide it open all out and there get and... It out there and deal with it and their plan of of resolving it and getting to a state where whatever it is will no longer affect them moving forward, okay? Could be shorter than someone who, you know, still needs a little backhoe help in digging and unearthing. So they might have given you a little bit, a little couple of nuggets, but there's still a lot more there. So that just extends the time out. Right. You know, how long it's going to take for this person to kind of really get to where they're going to be and you know really good therapists will tell people right up front you know this is this is where you should get to in terms of this issue this Yeah, is what your sure. ultimate goal is going the to be the end destination right. now now how long that takes ultimately depends on on you and this is why people can be in therapy for, for 10 years. Right. Right. Um, Stuff legitimately, legitimately takes five years. Takes five years of consistent process. Okay. But a good therapist has in their mind a, you know, they're working that plan with that person to get that, get them, get them there. Right. Okay. Um, If you're, and I know this might be controversial, but to me, if you're one of those type of therapists that will have somebody in therapy for 25 years, I'm like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is that? Do they, do they have 25 years worth of issues? I mean like that many issues or it's just the same thing. You know, every time you come, Oh, I can't, I can't face myself. Right. Right. For 25 years. It's the same thing. At a certain point, I'm kicking you out of my office.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're going to be referred out at some point,
2: yeah. Go stand the bus stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, absolutely. And this is also a big part in why treatment has to be and is individualized. Uh, It's just like you said. You know, somebody might come in and – you even have the opposite extreme. Actually, sometimes that's present. Like someone, and it might give a therapist or someone running a group insight into that person's makeup or character. But someone who's divulging coming in spelling got way too fast. We're oh, like, oh, slow, slow,
2: no, slow, way, <laughs> way, 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 right, way, right, right. All up now.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I wasn't ready for all that.
1: And so each client needs to have milestones set based on who they are mm-hmm. and, and how they interact and what their what their goals are the the goals that they've stated they wanted to accomplish or mutually agreed upon mm-hmm. with their therapist, um, and, and to see those timelines through, based on wherever you're meeting that person at, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, which is why you know treating each client as an individual is so incredibly important because. Different things are going to need to take place for different people to get where they need to go. Mm -hmm.
2: Let's talk to our brothers and sisters who are out there in recovery land, who are just been out there for, you know, decent lengths of time doing their thing. Um, But, you know, you're still faced with life. And Mr. Producer is grooming himself. (laughs) while we're live on there. Um, My favorite thing to talk about that I think a lot of people in recovery struggle with and it's one word, but a lot of things get tied into it. That's why it's such a, for me, such a great seminar subject, great topic I like to talk about, and that's Forgiveness. Hmm. So many things, you know, under that that tie into that for a person to execute it, experience it, that's hard to really cover all of it. But I do know that because we know relationships with other people interpersonal and intrapersonal Mm -hmm. are way up there near the top on contributing factors to people relapsing. Right. Okay. Experiences that occur in these relationships and then how they are, how those experiences have been dealt with moving forward. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what impact it has on you, the person, not the other person, you, the person and then how how that carries itself on you as you go about your daily living just can't be understated. I firmly believe and I've said this um and I'd be willing to debate it with whomever, okay, mm-hmm. that you know there're two there're two core feelings. Love mm-hmm. and fear, polar opposites, okay? Sure. And we ask ourselves we should ask ourselves in our daily lives and as we're making decisions dealing with family members dealing with your children grandchildren loved ones etc are you coming from a place of love or are you coming from a place of fear mm-hmm. oftentimes in the moment a person doesn't want to hear that crap <laughs> <laughs> they don't care i don't want to hear it and i don't want to examine it Okay. Which is usually the bigger piece of the two. Right. And, but to me, it's ultra important to examine it because if you're able to have the discipline to examine where you're coming from, you may then decide that, especially if you're not getting the result that you want, Mm -hmm. which is even more important. So if you're not getting the results you want, it's even more important for you to be willing to examine that and then decide, wow, if I'm coming from – or if it's determined that I'm coming from a place of fear and anxiety, et cetera, if I flip that, I may get a different result. Right. I may have a different experience. So I would – put it out there to my recovery land folks, brothers and sisters out there, that what in your individual lives and whom in your individual lives do you need to forgive, starting with yourself and then others, because ultimately, of course – are the most important person. You have to forgive yourself. If it's something you did, something you said, you know, whatever the case may but be. Which is usually the right? hardest right. thing That's to do. That's the first one that must happen. And sometimes, the you know, people forget about themselves and say, oh, I'm going to forgive you, Mr. Producer. <laughs> and, but, you know, you're, you're right. not forgiving yourself Right. Um, for saying what you, you know, saying the bad thing that you said to the person, mm-hmm. Um. But you may forgive them for what they said back to you and so on and so forth. Well, no, it starts with you. you got to be selfish, and selfish is not always a negative thing. It's a positive thing and sometimes required in order to take care of oneself. So I forgive myself for what I've done, what I've said, um, to whom I've done it to. And then the other step, of course, is uh, if people have done things to you, forgiving them. So we're certainly going to talk about the topic of forgiveness because I always commit at once a year at least, if not twice. We spend the show just on that subject. Um, But in terms of a recovery resolution, I would advise, I would say, are are there because family is important, your friendships are important. Every, you know, all those the material things don't matter. People matter. So, are there relationships that need repairing that you're interested in repairing? Some people say, you know, I'm done, and that's fine. Yeah. Okay. However, there's a caveat you can be done with a relationship, but you must be done with it in a fashion where it no longer impacts you. Right. That's not the caveat. Just,
1: not just convincing yourself that you're done, but actually
2: being done. Actually be, being mentally, emotionally mm-hmm. and spiritually done, not just physically done. I'm not calling you anymore. That's physically done. I'm not talking to you anymore. That's physically done. Right. I'm not coming to visit you anymore. That's physically done. But do you think about the person?
0: <laughs>
2: right. Do they occupy space in your head, space in your heart. Does it trouble you that this relationship is not where you would like it to be? Not where it once was. Something happened along the way to make it go sideways. Mm -hmm. And are our egos getting in the way of getting the relationship back to where it needs? Do I need to take the first step or am I going to wait? It takes courage. It takes a, I can't think of another word. It takes a deep kind of spiritual wanting that you yeah, you, well, you, you put your own, you, you have to, it requires a lot of growth. Let's just put it that a way. A lot of growth and
1: a real, kind of like you said, like a deep rooted, genuine desire, man, mm-hmm.
2: like a real desire has to be there. Um, and that's usually evident by if it's impacting you, meaning that the you know, yeah. Me and my brother—I'm not talking about me. I'm just using an example. You know, we don't talk, and we we haven't talked for five years.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you may try and give the appearance that it doesn't bother you, or you know, whatever the case may be. Right. But there are things that you show, things that you say, the way you say them, your body language, so on and so forth. That would you know, if you were asked to be, you know, you were put on a, you know, truth. Ometer, uh, you know, if you had a choice between having the relationship you currently have, which is none, versus having a, a decent relationship with your brother, which one would you choose? Most people would say, unless something terrible, terrible has happened, would say I, I would prefer to have a decent relationship.
4: Right. Well,
2: well, what would be what would need to happen in order for that to happen? He's got to make the first move. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well. Your recovery resolution is going to be you make the first move. You put yourself out there. You take a risk. Mm -hmm. Because what's the worst that can happen is that you end up back in the same spot that you're currently in. Right. That's the worst that can happen, which is really nothing changes. Nothing changes. You might get some hurt feelings. You might get rejected. That's the worst. That's the worst that can happen. You experience some feelings. But what's the best that can happen? The best that can happen is that, wow, there's a spark to the start of the relationship being repaired and getting back to where you both might want it to be and all it required was someone. It doesn't matter. In the end, you know, when this happens, right, and time goes by, a relationship is repaired, time goes by, and the two look back, sometimes they find it difficult to even pinpoint. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what was the spark? Yeah. Yeah. Because The, the fact How that the this... relationship is back just so overwhelms everything else that, you know, who made the first contact or who made the first reach out to, to, to get it back becomes almost irrelevant. Yeah. It's a moot point. Right. No one was keeping score.
1: No. Yeah. And because ultimately it speaks to the idea that both parties wanted it to be where it is now or, or, were missing that and wanted things to be the way they are. And so, like you said, no one's keeping tabs. So I won that one because I held out until you made the first, you know, initiated the the first move, so to speak.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So another one that I have, I know we're coming up against the top of the hour. It's not a very happy topic, um, but it's a real one think of this one often. Um, Not because of my own personal experiences, but because of the age grouping that I'm in. Okay. And there's a lot of us in that age grouping where let's call it the baby boomer age grouping. Did I tell I was it the last show or the show before that I told the audience that I was very upset and depressed about Yeah, find yeah. Out. You you didn't uh I, miss I, the cut. Thought I <laughs> thought I had missed the baby boomer cut by being born in sixty <laughs> right. four, no, but, but you're, I found out sixty four is the last year of yeah. the baby
1: boomers. <laughs> you
2: did. So I got I've been dra- I got drafted in without knowing it.
1: Yeah, you did.
2: And I was depressed for a few days, finding out that I was considered a baby boomer, even <laughs> I'm on the back end, but I'm still a baby you're boomer. It's still
1: in there. No
2: shaking it. Yep. Nope can't get out of it um but what we are in you know because of where we are in that age group and it's a pretty wide age you know let's say it's a 15 to 20 year group maybe right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh dealing with loss okay you know parents are getting into that you know the diamond age group uh Friends that are you know getting into older age and might be you know passing before their time that we would say is their time because of either illness accident or what have you um but as you know obviously you you get older you're gonna and, you, and if you have a wider circle of friends even friends that you're not even you know close to but childhood friends or what have you, and you start losing them and you know parents of childhood friends start you know you know passing on and so sure. on and so forth, so loss. Starts to come more often and dealing with that. People in recovery have to, you know, be aware and have a plan. And take Felix Arroyo's advice feel what you feel when you feel it. I always said, um, you know, when you lose someone and you you know, the body's made to go through the grieving process. <clears throat> and I know this is a weird way of describing it, but it's like the grieving process is like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I know this is going to sound okay. weird, but hear here yep. me out. Yep. The grieving process is like the Grim Reaper. You're not going to avoid it. You might think you can, but you're not going to avoid it. Now, the only way you're going to avoid it is if you die before you get to experience it. To that process, sure. Okay, but you can't escape the grieving process unless you die, okay? People think they can, people try, but it's, it's, it's a process that's meant to happen. The body's built for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you want is people to... Allow it to happen, right? And not try and escape it. So those two things for me, for the for 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 our elder recovery folks, our experienced recovery folks, what relationships do I want to repair that's going to require some forgiveness on someone's side um, taking that risk? Putting yourself out there for the, for that relationships, material things don't matter. It's people that matter, and then not being afraid to talk about loss that people have experienced, and mm-hmm. and sharing that, embrace and, that, and yeah. Steve Cuny, another one, former director, assistant director at Swan Lake. One of his favorite words: embrace the pain. Yeah. You know, or sure. whatever, the, whatever the feeling was, he would know, always say, embrace it. If it was fair, embrace the fit you know, just embrace it. Yeah. Like, okay. What do you mean? Put my arms around it? <laughs> right. Love it? Is that what you mean?
1: Just really allow it to be, man. Be
2: present. What in he it. meant was just experience it. Right. And that you're not going to die from it, figuratively or literally, I hope, but that you're going to experience it and then. It will pass if you allow it to. Mm-hmm. Now, the mistake that we, who have experienced lives of addiction, of varying lengths, the mistake that we made, but we later learned, we didn't want to feel any pain. Whatever the source or the cause of that pain was, we didn't want to feel it. Yeah. So we chose to medicate. We didn't want to feel it. And again, everyone has their different stories mm-hmm. of what led them there. But I like to say, your your story may be different from mine, but the feelings that we experience behind them are the same. Sure. So I have a different story than your right, story. Right, right, right. So we experience the same feelings. Right. Okay. And we're both trying to do the same thing, not feel those feelings. We To medicate, I don't want to... I don't want to look at the fact that I, that I, that I was a you know was as a failure. I don't want to feel that. It's not good to feel that. Even though technically you weren't, but at, you know, you, you, at 22, you're you, know, you have you, you you think you have your life mapped out. This is what I'm going to do. Where I'm going to be. Blah blah blah. And at 22, you're smoking crack. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: maybe right. not. Wait a second. Not I so just,
1: according just, to the thing you me, mapped out for yourself. Wait
2: a second. Let me go back and look at my, what I wrote down. <laughs> All right, and go down the list. And that, I don't see that on the list here. Twenty, twenty, start using cocaine. Nope. Twenty-two, start smoking crack. No, none of none of that is on the list. How did, how did how did it get to that point? So. Like I said, there's many, there's probably, you know, there's a number of topics, uh, uh, recovery resolutions that uh, people can choose from, but those are just mine, the ones I would suggest to people.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and I and I think those are good because they're Specific enough to give you some direction, like this is something that you can try, or this is you know something that we can strive for right now, but not so much so that you know after a group you're done. Mm-hmm. They're they're general enough to, to continue to try and work on them and chase them. Um, I think it's a good thing. I, I think those are good, and I I would recommend the same things to folks contingent upon like where they're at. Uh, we've had the show with the trimesters and. Mm-hmm first or second or third are we on the cusp and in the transition period and almost kind of how we ended it there with with embracing where it is that you're at and continuing to tackle that you know with with all your might and and really be in that moment Mm -hmm. for yourself
2: so shifting gears real quick i know we're past the top of the hour but i have to ask yeah, you took an airplane flight not too long ago, didn't you?
1: Ah, uh, sh- sure did.
2: And it's my <laughs> understanding that you experienced some flight delays due to bad weather.
1: <laughs> that is, uh, that's absolutely correct. There were a number of delays. Uh, I want to say two or three oh, in total.
2: Don't let me get forget it. Mm-hmm. Can we just publicly state for the record, I'm sick and tired of California calling rain showers. A, a, a storm And there being <laughs> disaster warning <laughs> I Emergency have, alert
1: my, Is being practiced on every radio station My mother
2: is calling me On a Sunday I look at the, the time It's 7.44am on a Sunday So that means 8, 9 So it's 10.44 First of all, why is she calling me that time? She should be in church See, I got another thing I got to talk to her about But 7.44, she's calling me She leaves a message Mm-hmm. Cause on the east coast it's being reported that there, you know, there's like crazy storms going on in California and you know, it's like Armageddon and mudslides and floods and blah blah blah. Yeah. And after to listen to the message, I'm like, what is she talking about? So I call my sister and says, Yeah, mom calls me and she's worried she wants to know am i in this you know in the disaster area the storm area blah 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 blah. <laughs> and so i said i have no idea what she's talking about yeah and she said well back here on the news they're saying that there's all these storms and craziness going on in california so she, she was worried right i'm like they think if there's any kind of rain we haven't had rain in however long we're in a drought so yeah back east a regular rain shower it's just raining okay out here is considered a storm right it's leading all the, the local news stations and yeah there's the storm coverage people and,
1: are hitting costco stocking stocking up
2: stocking up, and, stocking and, up and on the re- bottled water the weather reporters are out there in their disaster gear and and i'm telling my wife i'm saying, it's just raining yeah, just regular steady rain. Isn't that what what they want? And the same thing happens all the time. The same areas have mudslides. The same creeks and rivers overflow if it rains. My God, for three or four days straight. Hmm. So I said, look, I think how they reported back there is a little bit more sensational. Sure. Than sure. Because to, to us, it's just I pointed to Linus. Look out there. It's it's just raining straight down. Like there's no wind, so it's just coming straight down. Yeah. And I said, wow, it's, they call that a storm. And I said, where I'm from, that's just a rain shower. Sure. Okay, so it rained for 12 hours straight. Big deal. I said, wait till they experience freezing rain. So they, We're not going to experience it out here in California. Freezing right. rain. Right. But in New York, you get freezing rain. Okay, and then it doesn't come straight down because it's windy. So it's that your umbrella is basically sideways. useless. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, so this is nothing. But, I mean... No offense, you know, Of course, you know, there's people who have mudslides, and but I always ask the same question. Why do people rebuild in the same area where there's a mudslide? They know there's going to be a mudslide if it rains, but they rebuild in the same area. We're in a the drought. They complain about no water. We get water. They complain there's too much water. Make up your mind. All right, I've complained enough about the weather. <laughs> yeah. I prefer that when it rains, it rains for 5, 6 or 7 days straight. Sure. Okay. Because this 2-day rain business, 1-day sun business, not Yeah, good going the, back and forth. Not good for the back, my friend. Not good for the back. <laughs> nope. So,
1: so the plane, you wanted to ask about the plane? Yes, yeah,
2: so you have you were delayed weather
1: a couple of times. Yeah.
2: Uh, I was communicating with you had direct link to air traffic control.
1: Right. As a matter of
2: fact, that day when you were stuck in the airport and I went home, I was out back in the backyard doing my nightly duties, picking up the number two of my Sheba. Yeah. Um, And an aircraft was coming over. And of course, you know, I wanted to identify it. I'm saying, wait a second now because you told me that you saw no life at the airport meaning that there were no planes taking off and no planes landing that's right and this is SFO major airport okay this that's is right JFK and i said hmm because the landing you know path is right comes right over my house right so i say hmm where is that plane going so i'm watching it i can't see the plane but i can see the lights through the overcast i can tell it's a wide body Jet, jumbo jet. I'm, so I'm watching, and then I see it bank. Ah, uh, okay. And remember, if I'm I'm texting you and said, "Oh, you're right," because they're not going to SFO. Right. They're going either to their bank. So this plane banked and head towards San Jose. San Jose or Landing at San Jose, or they're going straight over to Oakland. Mm-hmm. Which brings up a big question, of course. When I I think I said to you, how can they land at Oakland? Oakland's by the water, also, but but they're sissies. San Francisco, by the way. I don't mean that pejoratively, but I'm saying from on the East Coast, they fly through hail, snow, yeah, thunderstorms, whatever you can you imagine. name it, because they got to make money. Uh-huh. So their planes are flying. The only thing they won't fly through is lightning. If there's lightning, they'll, they'll, they'll keep playing on the ground and heavy wind. But other than that, they're going. Oh, you get a little bit of fog. They're going. They don't care. They got instruments. They can fly in fog. That's why I was surprised that. There were no planes coming in, even delayed from maybe other areas.
1: Right. So eventually, what time,
2: how long did you stay in the airport?
1: Like four hours. So like the plane was supposed to take off at, I want to say seven or 730. And we ended up taking off
2: around midnight. Okay. How was the ride?
1: There was some turbulence on the way out.
2: out. Cruising out. Yeah,
1: cruising out. Um. But then once we were at cruising altitude, minus the occasional little bump, chop, mm-hmm. there there was nothing, nothing, nothing to report. Darn it.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, relatively relatively smooth. I was hoping you would got a nice little ride up, you know, bounce around <laughs> some storm clouds, and and then how about coming because normally Las Vegas surrounded by mountains, yeah, or right, kind of in a valley, depending on the day. You know, you can get a good ride coming in. How was the landing coming in? Your ride coming in? Was it?
1: The landing was good. The, okay. the land, right. Yeah, the landing was smooth. Okay. Um, it didn't hurt, and I don't know why you look to 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 find solace or comfort in other people. But my wife. You is mean in their th- discomfort? Find solace in their discomfort. Please. No, no, in their comfort. Oh, okay. So my wife is in the middle seat, and I'm in the aisle seat kind of like you i have to take an aisle seat because once you break the six foot six foot one barrier Mm -hmm. you just need that room for your legs Mm -hmm. um the passenger in the window seat snoring i mean even when the pilot throws on the seatbelt, if we hit a couple little bumps his head's just moving with the plane snoring not a yeah and you're just like leaning on the wife <laughs> right, and it's like you just look at that, and it's okay. Like, how could I be nervous right now? And this guy can't even be bothered to like open up one eye and take a peek to see what's going on. Okay. So okay. somehow that brings a calm to you. Like, if so
2: let me let let me let you in on a little secret. Yeah, a large number of those passengers Have have been drinking,
1: <laughs>
2: or they've taken something prior to the flight.
1: Okay, <laughs> not All everybody, right. but a large number. Trust me. Sure. Good to know. Good to know. Um, And then also, I guess one thing you learn is you keep an eye on the stewardesses. Um, Like, if they're still walking the aisles collecting garbage or passing out drinks, you know, then you're all right. Like, you you know, you'd imagine they'd be sitting down. Like, my wife recently flew back from New Orleans. She was there for work for some training, and she did say there was a moment on, I think – on the way back not on the way there where pilot had even asked the stewardesses to take a seat and mm-hmm. buckle up and that doesn't even mean like there's something crazy about to happen it's more of like their safety protocols like if i see that there's going to be some turbulence i just need everybody seated but um but that could bring maybe you know like oh yeah that's out of the blue mm-hmm. you know i've not been on too many flights where the stewardesses were asked to take a seat, and buckle up, and get the oxygen
2: mask ready or whatever else is coming. I'm going to give you one free tip. After that, I'm going to start charging you. If you hear the ding, ding, not just the one ding. The one ding doesn't mean anything. But if you hear the ding, ding, uh-huh. that's the uh, the flight crew calling the purchaser or whatever you call the head flight attendant is a name for them, the purser is sure, a name for them, sure. um, to communicate something to them. Okay, so I always listen out for the ding ding because that lets me know. Okay, they want to tell something to the purchaser, and that's then the fly crew might come I and mean, might come on and say you know, like, can everyone you know the chain of have communication take, take your seats or what have you? <laughs> All right, and I'm like, No, nah, I need to stand. Mister Roach can you take your seats? And now nah, I'm standing. <laughs> They then come and tackle me, put you in cuffs, and tie you up for the remainder of the flight. All right, that's all we got. Let's Uh, go to the break. Good stuff. All right, we're going to hit a little
1: music break. We do see we have a caller on hold for the recovery support time segment. We will get to the calls on the other side. We hope you've enjoyed the show to this point, and um, we will take a little music break for everybody.
0: up next is ocg radio's recovery support time where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery related questions and issues recovery support time where it's our time to help you
2: Back to Roadshow Recovery Go ahead man Hit it (laughs) But before I do some X-Files I gotta tell a story Before it leaves my brain Let's hear it As I said I have a long long running Lawsuit against my parents
1: Yes, and
2: I did get my mother. You know, I did get my mother on the witness stand once, and this was in regards to my birth certificate. You know, around I don't know, age seventeen or eighteen-ish, somewhere around there, between sixteen and eighteen, she gives me all my important papers. They, you know, they yours now. You're you're adult-ish enough to have your personal documents, my green card, passport, all that stuff, and back then. You know, you you got a green card just once. You didn't have to renew it or anything like that. So I'm looking over my birth certificate for the first time. And something glaringly just leaps out at me. I was born on a certain date, which I will not reveal. But I wasn't named because it says date of birth date of naming. I wasn't named until 15 days later. Oh, wow. So I said, wait a second now. Because this is not making any sense to me. How could I be born on such and such a date and then i be named 15 days later and the name you come up with, remember, I'm the fifth of six. So I have a younger sister. All the other children have normal names. As a matter of fact, they were in sequence two A's, two D's. So they have Andrew Althea, David Diane. So normal names. But you get to me, I'm born, you don't name me for 15 days, and you come up with Orville. And then when my younger sister is born, they go back to normal names Michelle.
3: <laughs> All right. So
2: I get my mother on the witness stand And I say can you explain Two things number one Why did it take 15 days to name me And number two why after 15 days Did you come up with the name Orville When everyone else in the family has a normal regular name You know a common name And Her response to the jury was Well And my mother talks in a very soft voice In those days You know They took some time to put things down on the document. So you were named right away. It just took two weeks before they put it on the birth certificate. I said, okay, let's say I believe that on its face, that that's the case. How did you come up with Orville when everyone else has traditional names going down the line? And even after me, when my sister was born three years later, she gets a traditional name. Sure. My mother's unable to respond to the jury at this point. (laughs) And it may have been, I don't know, 10 years before my mother finally told me where she came up with the name. My father's best friend, who was also a policeman, that was his first name. So I'm guessing I'll have to confront her further that it's, My father had input in that. He's not around to be confronted any further, so my mother has to bear the brunt of this confrontation. Don't feel sorry for her. She can account for herself. Just thought I'd share those tidbits of this long-running lawsuit. So I got my name. (laughs) I don't care. It has served me well having a unique name. But still, you know, you can't you can't name your children Andrew, Althea, David, Diane, and then get to me and I'll come up with Orville out of nowhere, and then go back to a normal name, Michelle. You have to explain yourself on that one. You have to account for these decisions, <clears throat> right? I'll keep our audience abre- uh, abreast of how this lawsuit and her accountability. I like it. I mean, I, I don't know. The only time my mother turns up her hearing aid is in church.
1: <laughs> right? Okay. All right. Well, yeah, please do uh, keep us posted. And- All right.
2: I will. I will do that. X-Files, Couple. couple of good ones real All quick. All right. Dan B. from San Carlos. Why am I, when I react to other people, even when they upset me, I react in a calm and respectful way, but I'm not, but not forgive. I'm just reading as you wrote it. Not forgive my daughter's mom when she verbally assaults me. Easy one. There's emotion, emotional connection, emotional yeah. involvement. Yeah. Whether the relationship is existing in some way, shape, or form or over, whatever it may be, there's always going to be a connection there because, mm-hmm. Y'all created the child together, um, and if it's just a lot of emotion, we won't we don't have time to get into all the possibilities of the emotions because we don't know the nature of the the relationship as it exists and what the desires may be from either side for the relationship. Sure. but the emotions are what drives this. Yeah, and, and there's
1: and it can't it can't be separated. No no this is I mean this is why and I mean we we delve a little deeper here but when you look into the ethics of the practice of even medicine why surgeons can't perform an operation on somebody that they're related yeah. to or why therapists you know yada 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 because once they're like you said once emotions become a factor or some sort of driving force, all formal training goes right out the window mm-hmm. you can't right it's just the way it is so. Yep.
2: Uh, And let's see what else we got here Bill from Honolulu Honolulu Wife wants to visit Hawaii I'm absolutely against it I say look I was born on an island Why do I need to visit one Yeah well you got to get out there At some point No I'm not interested (laughs) Landing on a damn volcano (laughs) <laughs> uh, Bill from Honolulu Why do I get anxious when I go out into the real world After being in recovery So let's correct one thing Recovery doesn't end When you go out into the real world It just moves to a different You transition to a different phase of your recovery process so we, yeah, I, we have to keep reinforcing that and I, almost, and I almost would because like I think to they Cut it
1: off a step sooner And state that just because you're engaging in recovery or go that that's that's not, not the real world. Right. You're still in the real world. We're just doing something different. You're you're learning something different. Right. You're at a different phase in your life. It's all reality. Yes.
2: Sometimes we even say it's surreal. Yes. Um but why does he get anxious when he quote unquote I guess when he steps out of the environment of treatment, I'm presuming into Society. Yeah, that's a normal uh, emotional response. To uh, it's kind of, again, what what is it rooted in? It's rooted in fear.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, and how much are you discussing that fear and 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 the tentacles that are attached to that fear of going out into society and doing whatever it is that you need to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he names the anxiety, but let's—where where is it stemming from? What's causing me to get anxious? I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? Yep. Let's dig a little deeper. And then when you name those things that you're afraid of, we take them one at a time. Let's walk through them and see what's causing the fear of this thing, that thing, and that thing. You almost have to, and we spend a lot of time doing this, training... It's easier to do with people who are, are more intellectual because they already have a kind of a log- logical mind, uh, analytical mind, even though it works against them in, in recovery in general. But in terms of teaching them the process of how to do this self-examination, they can intellectually understand it. Whether or not they can actually do it is two different things. It's another story. But a person who is kind of uh, is, is different from that, it's, a more, it's more difficult for them to grasp – the steps of the self-examination. So we have to continue to reinforce it. I always emphasize people write stuff down. There's nothing wrong with having a notebook, a journal, or something, where if you need to do a self-examination, you have an outline of how you can go about doing it. Because someone's not always going to be there to walk you through it and to go over those steps with you. All right, well said. Let's hit the phone. We're going
1: live for the first time in 2017. All right,
2: let's go to John from San Mateo. Welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. Um, Welcome. My question is, uh, let's say that you're getting near the end of um, your treatment, and uh, basically you're at the point where you're trying to decide whether it would be best to go out to like the transitional house or to potentially stay in treatment um, for longer and be working and saving money? How would you know what is the best option?
2: What do you think the best option is for you?
6: Um, well, that's uh, it's hard to say. I mean – I see the right, benefit
2: let me, in... Let me, let me stop saying. you right there. Let me stop you right there. Because <clears throat> we're going to get a two for one out of this one. You cannot accept from yourself the answer that you gave, because otherwise you'll continue to go around in circles. A person either thinks or they feel. So when you ask yourself the question, which, op- which option is best for me at this moment in time? okay. You can give – you can intellectually determine that, or you can say, well, what does my gut tell me? So let me ask it this way. What does your gut tell you is the best option for you at this time?
6: Um, My gut tells me that the best option would be to move on to transitional because that would allow me to basically make further steps into, um, you know, getting back into society and kind of facing, facing those, those fears and anxieties of, uh, living normal life out there.
2: That's what you go with.
6: All right.
2: Thank you. Because... Those, those fears will cause you to intellectually rationalize and confuse the decision and have you going in circles. When your right. gut knows, this is what I need to do. This is where my next phase of life needs to be in order for me to continue to grow and evolve. And along the way, I will deal with those fears and anxieties. Yeah Okay Yeah that right. Thank you You're welcome Either you think Or you feel Mm-hmm Try that with a five-year-old They will just give you a blank stare <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> All right Let's go to Keone from San Bruno Welcome to the show
4: Hi Thank you How you're you welcome. guys doing? Good Good um, So my question is it's um, basically it's How is someone who comes from Poor beginnings Or different Differences in life uh, From drug induced families What is their First priority With controlling And changing their life moving forward I don't know if that's If I worded that correctly but
2: Let that's... me see if I can Help Are you okay. saying that the family that you Have come out of Immediate yeah. or extended family There's just a lot of drug use And what not going on Exactly Okay So
4: And what I'm trying to figure out is like How do you break the chain Besides like obviously staying clean Like what, is, what should be Like one of the first priorities For someone who Is in treatment and wants to move Forward with Staying clean. What would like one of their first priorities or a generalized priority be for their for their life moving forward?
2: Your 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 challenge is as old as recovery, and that is you've already identified the problem that is going to face you, and the question becomes: Do you have the the will, the discipline, and the courage to set those boundaries number one, identify and set the boundaries, and then most importantly enforce them it's hardest to it's hardest to do with the family right but it it becomes a it's either me or them right me or them so. Who is it going to be? Are you going to get sucked back in or are you going to, this is what I'm about. This is what I plan on doing. I'm not about that lifestyle. It doesn't mean you cut your family off. People Mm -hmm. get confused and think, oh, so I can't engage or speak to my family. or No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is you have to get to a place where you can understand what your boundaries are, speak to them, And then enforce them, and then people, if they respect you, will respect that and say, we got you. We're not going to try and drag you down the wrong road or lead you down the wrong road. We respect what you're doing, and you never know. Through your actions and your role modeling, you may set the tone for somebody else to change their life. Right. But it starts with you, and it's about you, not about anybody else.
4: So you said the will, difference, and courage.
2: With the will, the discipline. Discipline. Right, and the courage. Okay. Not necessarily in that order, but those three things are required. Okay, you got to have the will. So you got to be willing to first identify and set my boundaries. These are my boundaries. These are my rules here. Then you got to have the the discipline and then the courage to enforce it. When someone tries to break that boundary, someone tries to, you know, get in your car and light up a joint and smoke some weed or whatever you call it now, you got to have the the courage to say, listen, man, I'm not into that anymore. Even if it's your brother, even if it's your uncle, even if it's your dad, you got to have the courage to say, enforce your boundary. Okay. That's what it takes.
4: Okay. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome.
4: All right. Have a good night.
2: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And that's hard, man. Very, very, very hard.
1: Very hard. But it kind of – you have to – if you've made the decision that you need to make a change – and in order to accomplish that goal, you have to make yourself the number one priority, no matter what is going on with anybody else or anything around you. Um, and yeah, that can be difficult, especially when really, really close people to you in in your life, family, inner circle, whomever it may be, um, aren't. Good, it's like the old adage in treatment: like when you go back, you know, out into society having. Um, finished a term in a residential program the world hasn't changed nothing else changes the 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 one change is going to have to be you
2: my wife said to me was about a month ago we were just talking about joe my wingman and she said they had conversations you know way back when uh, about how hurt he was when I went into treatment. Because when I went into treatment, I didn't tell anyone. The only people that knew I was leaving to go into daytop were my sisters and my parents. I didn't tell any of my friends I was leaving because I knew they were trying to talk me out of it. And she said she had many conversations with Joe, and I, and I also had these difficult conversations with him Uh, uh, about how hurt he was because he basically felt that I left him out there to quote unquote die. Of course, he ended up also getting recovery. Um, But I said to her the same decision all over again, because it was about me and no one else. And so I had to be selfish. I knew that I knew that the, the guys that I was dealing with, and if I said to them, Yeah, I'm getting ready, you know, I'm, I'm going to this treatment program. I know I got a problem. That they would spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week trying to convince me that I didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. Come on, man. You know, it ain't that bad or whatever the case may be. That's what they would have tried to do. So there was no way that I could let them know that I was going into the I had to be gone. And then I wrote them a letter. And then we had that difficult conversation, which best friends and true friends should have, as difficult as it may be. And I had to tell them, look, I knew I had to do that to save my life. And it involved, yeah, not telling you, my best friend, uh, that I was leaving. But I would do the same exact thing again if I was in the same situation all over again, which, you know what I mean, if the, if the universe flipped back <laughs> Right, <in time>. right. <laughs> And I told Linda, my wife, I said, you know, and she kept repeating, like, you know, but he was so hurt. And I kept saying to her, I understand that he was hurt. But what was more important, my life or or his feelings? So, you know how I ended the conversation? How's that? I said he got over it. Yeah. (laughs) He got over it. All right. Who we got? Let's go. Who's been holding the longest? How are we on time, sir?
1: Uh, we're good. We have okay. about 10 minutes.
2: All right. Um, let's go to Melanie from San Francisco. Welcome to the show.
5: Hi, thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I, I guess I wanted to know what your guys' um, thoughts are on hooking up with somebody I used to use with that's now sober.
2: What do you mean by hooking up? Can you like dating that
5: somebody, you know, like dating somebody like that I used to use with that's now sober.
2: Okay. Well, I think we can all agree, as adults, that there is high risk involved. Hmm. The question becomes, and this is a question to you, because you said this is someone you used with, correct?
5: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Were you in any kind of relationship with them previously? Yes. Okay, so there is a uh, there is a romantic history. Right. Okay, so that was missing out of the first part of your statement.
5: <laughs> that's very 91. that's very
2: in, those are very important details. <laughs> because that changes the dynamic a little bit. Right. So, how long has this other party been in recovery?
5: Um, two years.
2: Are they on solid footing?
5: From what I know, yes.
2: And this is what I define as solid footing: that even if you came before them and the choice, beca- the choice became you or their recovery, they would kick you to the curb.
5: We haven't had that much conversation. <laughs> but
2: I'm, but I'm asking you: Do you think he would do that? If that choice um, became either you or his recovery, he would kick you to the curb.
5: Uh, I don't
2: know. Okay. So now I want to know, you either think or you feel. So what does your gut tell you he would do?
5: Mm. My gut tells me he yeah, probably not kick yeah. you to the curb.
2: Okay. Don't think about it. If your gut tells you he will kick you to the curb, then I would say, okay. Then I would just inch along very slowly because you're still in your early recovery process, I'm guessing. Right. Okay. And so there's no time clock. So I would just inch along. And I only say that. The only reason I say that is because you revealed that there is a romantic history. Right. If there was no romantic history, I would say there's high risk, And if you guys have eyes for each other, there may be high reward, but there's also a high risk. But if there's a romantic history, okay, I wouldn't classify it as high reward. There's still a risk. But if you say to me that your gut feeling is that if it came down between you, his recovery and you, he kicked you to the curb, that's okay. He's in a good place. Mm -hmm. So what was your question?
5: (laughs) Uh. Well, I didn't really think about it as like you know, in his view. Like I really thought about it in my in on my point of view as far as like I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that like my recovery comes first, you know? But I guess like I'm I'm just a little hesitant. Like um I don't know, maybe I just I'm nervous about being with anybody that's used in the past like I like I know what, what my addiction how like, strong my addiction is and to be with someone that, that experienced the same thing, like it's, it's kind of scary to then, partner up with somebody with the same struggle.
2: Yeah, then smart people, smart people, smart people, people smarter than me and the producer would advise you to spread your wings.
5: Right. Spread your wings. Right.
2: It's convenient and easy to go back to something that you're, you know and you're used to and you're comfortable with. Spread your mm-hmm. wings. You never know what's out there for you. Right. And and then, as my wife likes to say, if it's meant to be, it'll be.
5: <laughs> You're right. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Love and recovery. <laughs> maybe that's a new. Maybe that's a new show.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's the next topic. That's the next show. Um, we do have one caller on hold And we have like four minutes I know we don't. you don't typically like to cut people off But maybe they got something quick
2: Alright, let's go Let's go to Jerry's from Daily City Welcome to the show
4: Hi, thanks for having me um, mm-hmm. My question for you is How do you convince someone who is um, People, the addict, and you need help But they're functioning Okay, they have a job, they're making money They've had no negative consequences They've got a relationship that, that they're holding down but you know they're killing themselves slowly there's nothing really negative to um back back the 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 argument i guess of they should quit how do you explain that to someone like that
2: well two things number one I, what you're saying is that they're not experiencing any severe consequences of their use
3: yeah right now
2: um second thing is there's absolutely nothing for you that you can tell them let hmm. me see now, out of love, care, and concern, we, to the dying breath, do what we can, say what we can, because we care. Uh, and we yeah. just can't stand idly by, but simultaneously, we have to have an innate understanding that unless a person is willing to help themselves, there's nothing – we we can't put them in a headlock, you know, and, and make them, you know, get their lives together and stop using and damaging their bodies – they have to want to do it on the, on their own, for themselves. Yeah. Even though we may want it more than them, it, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. They have to want it more than we want it.
3: <clears throat> yeah.
2: So, as a friend or a family member, it's 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 almost torture. Because yeah. you're 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 helpless. You you you're, you you don't have any control over the situation. And you can't make them do something. So it's a difficult position to be in. I feel your pain. Uh, I'm experiencing that now in my own family circle. So I know what it's like.
4: All uh, right. Thank you.
2: All right. You're welcome.
4: All right. All right. Bye bye.
2: Bye bye. That's hard, man. You can't. Mother calls, what can you do? There's nothing you can do. Nope. Nothing you can do. No amount of talking. Can't put them in a headlock. They have to see the light in, in their own way and own time. And you hope, for, for all those that are struggling out there, that you hope that there's some intervention that occurs um, that before the ultimate intervention
1: happens. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> happens. That'll be broadcast you know, you,
2: on A and E. You know what that is. We don't want to use those. We'll put the whammy on it, but right. we we want people to, um, you know, it used to be we would, we would say, you know, look, it's either going to be you're going to end up in jail or you're going to end up dead. And we, and we've kind of morphed into well, we hope you end up in jail. Because that that may spur an intervention Right, you yeah, know, save, exactly Save your life, you know what I mean? And, exactly And how many mothers sleep better knowing, Well, at least I know where they are You know, they're not in you know, harm's way, quote-unquote um, So, I mean, when we had the adolescent program How many mothers of these young kids were like You know, when they, when they got arrested And they got in the juvenile hall They were like, finally You know, at least I know they're or Even though they're locked up I know where they are Right, or, right Or they're in your program now And so I, I could finally sleep I haven't slept in uh, in a year, you know, because my kid's not home doing drugs, doing this. And we, and we would actually – I remember having
1: conversations with parents uh-huh. where parents were looking for some sort of resource, looking for some sort of help but couldn't get it because their child hadn't ever been in trouble with the law. Yeah,
2: we have to tell While them. While
1: they're telling yeah. me the story that, like, I come home and he's – Smoking mess with fifteen other teenagers in the backyard, and they're breaking down my house. It's like, oh, what
2: would we tell them? Call the, Call, police. The police. <laughs> Call the police! Call the police! Call
1: the police! That might be your saving grace, as much as you might think your son or daughter may hate you in the moment for it. It might be the the thing that was absolutely needed. Yeah.
2: How much time, sir?
1: Uh, you got about like fifteen seconds, All right, and then not enough
2: for me to start my story. So yeah, yeah. I'll have to hopefully remember. So real quick. Um since our February 1st uh, rollout is, is coming up, uh, we got a tentative next show scheduled for where are we at today, the 17th, or that'll be the 31st. Um, so we'll keep that tentative uh, depending on how things go. Um, if we're in a mad rush, you know, if the asteroid has landed and we're crawling out underneath the rubble, we might have to reschedule.
1: <laughs> <but>.
2: <laughs> right, right. But uh, as of now, our next show is scheduled for January 31st, Tuesday.
1: It's penciled in.
2: It's penciled in. Yeah. But we'll keep everyone posted. Yeah.
1: Perfect. All right. Great. Well, uh, by the way, son of a gun,
2: Facebook is messing with us regarding Mm -hmm. our uh, OCG webpage, by the way. I just want to let you know. So uh, if you have problems getting on there, it's not us. It's them. I don't know if they're doing this to everybody, but if you have an organization they're kind of change the way that you have your web profile to some way, I have no idea what it is, but they've warned us that they're going to be changing it. So just so I throw that out there.
1: And there you have it. All right, folks. well, happy two thousand seventeen to everybody. We're glad to be back live this year for our first show. We do appreciate everybody who called in to participate today and or called in just to listen. Um, we appreciate the ongoing support that we always receive from the folks out there. It's going to rain. Uh, it's going to rain, so get ready to try and well, five, stay dry. Five days, right? That's Supposedly, yeah, we got about five or six days of rain in the horizon. Uh, so, again, we hope everybody enjoyed the show. We are happy to be back with you all in 2017. Uh, We may indeed be talking again in a couple of weeks time If not, we'll keep you posted for the next time that we go live Wish everybody a safe couple of weeks and a fun couple of weekends
3: Seems like yesterday I lost my way. There were so many roads. I was living to run and running to live. Never worried about pain or even how much I was.
0: Our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WorkCA. and on Twitter at OCGWorksCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio.